Is an embryo a baby? It's a good question. It's a question that I think all of us have wondered. It's certainly a question that I've wondered. And there's a reason for that. It's, it's so significant. It defines so much of our decisions and our position on current issues. It's, it's clearly a polarizing question. But can we address it objectively? Can we take a look and really, take, and really try to find out when does life begin and is that life a person? Let's explore it together today. Hi everybody, I'm Joseph Walter and this is Loving Theology. So um, as we approach this question, I wanna really break it into two parts. Um, and I think that this will be helpful to you. The first part that I wanna take a look at is addressing this question through the lens of science. What does scientific observation teach us about the answer to this question? And, and then next time, maybe we'll take a look through the lens of the Bible and actually add in some scripture to see what the Bible says about this question. But the reason that I wanna do this is because uh, to the extent that you're not sure yet maybe about the Bible, I'd still like to try to answer this question for you. And I truly will do that. I wanna put a pin in the scriptures. I, wanna, I, I will not use Bible verses in this video. Instead, we'll just simply talk about scientific evidence to explore this question. And just so you know, as we're going through this, we've got more resources on our website uh, than I've got in video form at this point. So as I talk through this, I'll reference some of those resources, but please do feel free to check them out because I've written a lot more here than I actually have had time yet to record. Hopefully I'll be able to record more of it as we go through this. Um, but for now, I'm just gonna try to give an overview of the scientific piece of the research that I've done, um, but I'll leave the more detailed scientific pieces in written form for now. But hopefully later we can add those in videos. Now, before we dig into this question, I think that it's important that I probably clarify the question that I'm asking. Whenever I say, is an embryo a baby, I really mean from the point of conception onwards. And depending on the strictness of the definition of the word embryo, that, that may not be the right term to use. But I hope that you understand that I'm using the term a little bit more loosely here because it seemed like that's the way that people were asking the question online and I wanted to help people find this resource. So I hope that you can understand that. Um, additionally, I wanted to explain that I'm gonna take more of an objective approach to this question, which might sound good, but there's pros and cons to it really. The, the pros are that hopefully I'll be able to present the information and we'll be able to discuss what that information tells us rationally. Um, without a whole lot of bias or emotion in the process. The downside though of taking that approach is that I may not be able to communicate my heart on the matter or um, the way that I, I care about what this question means for us. Because the reality is that this, this is one of the big questions that I think carries a heavy weight for a lot of people, whether you've had a miscarriage or maybe you've found yourself terminating a pregnancy or even just the way that you voted can really make this question mean a lot to you. And I, I don't want to make it seem like I don't care about the, what this question might mean for us. But in the discussion today, I just, I won't make the time or have the time to really talk about that. There, there's another post where we tell a little bit more of our story behind why this question was so important for us and our journey in finding an answer to it. And I talk a lot better in that post about um, our heart behind the matter. And that was a post for Mother's Day that I'll link for you. Um, so I hope that you can understand in this post, though, I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach. So the first part of this question is, when does life begin? And in answering that question scientifically, we need to make sure that we address it with the most relevant science. And the most relevant science by far is biology, which biology itself actually means the study of life. So in, in studying biology, we learn that there are certain characteristics of living things, that whenever those characteristics are present, then that defines something as alive. And so as we look through those characteristics, we can see that actually all of those characteristics become present precisely at the moment of conception. 
at the moment of fertilization. It's the process of fertilization that forms the first cell of the organism, which that's one of the first characteristics, that has its own unique genetic code that begins to grow and develop, consuming energy and materials to do so, while maintaining a in stable internal environment and responding to its external environment. So those are all of the characteristics that are present, and each of those become present precisely at the moment of conception, at the moment of fertilization. And for that reason, virtually all biologists would agree that the cell that's formed at fertilization, called the zygote, is alive, that it has all of the characteristics of living things. But maybe you want a little more from me, rather than just hearing each of the characteristics and me telling you that they're there, you want to hear the evidence that they're there. I've reserved that uh, for another page on our website that hopefully I'll put it, be able to put a video out on eventually that we've called When Does Life Begin, where I talk about the evidence of each of those characteristics of living things. But because that question is a little bit more readily agreed upon by scientists, I wanted to spend a little more time on the question that divides scientists here. Um, the question that divides us more often actually is whether or not this living thing is a person. And that's really the crux of the issue, so to speak. And um, to start with, let's make sure that we have a good definition for that word person. Uh, Merriam-Webster simply defines a person as a human individual. So using something called the law of identity, we can um, get a little bit more specific in our question. Whenever we're asking the question, is an embryo a person uh, from the moment of conception, we can actually substitute that word person for its definition, again, using the law of identity. So in doing that, what we're doing, what we would change the question to is, is an embryo a human individual? from the moment of conception. So let's explore that part. So I said earlier that it's the process of fertilization that forms the genetic code for that first cell, that that living thing gets its DNA at the moment of conception. And as we look closer at that DNA, we can determine what species that DNA is. And, and in order to be obviously a human individual, the first question is, is that living thing a human? And the most objective definition for human is DNA. So as we look at that DNA, we can see that that is indeed human DNA. But that still leaves us with this question of, okay, that, that first cell, that zygote, is human, is a human living thing, but is it an individual? That there's something more to being a person than simply being human, that it has to be an individual. Maybe another way to phrase that question that's probably a bit more familiar is, is, it an, is that living thing any different than a tumor growing inside the mom's body or any other cell in her body? Is it just really part of her body? Um, or is it its own living thing, its own individual organism, its own individual human, and as a result, its own person? So to determine the answer to this part of the question of whether or not that human thing that's alive is a human individual that's alive and therefore person, we can take a closer look at the DNA that's formed at fertilization. Uh, we all know that crimes can be solved by looking at DNA. And the reason for that is because our DNA identifies us as individuals. That if you took a look at my DNA from one cell, um, then you could tell that that was me if you compared it to another cell from me. Um, but it would be uniquely distinct from any other person's DNA on the planet. And that's how you know that it is me as an individual, that that was my DNA, um, that that was my cell. Um, and so as we look at that, then let's take a look at the DNA that's formed at fertilization. Is that DNA different from the mother's DNA? Is it different from the father's DNA? And yes, the process of fertilization forms unique DNA that is specific to that individual. So as a result, what we can say is from an objective sense of the terms, there is an individual organism, that that organism is not part of the mother, but that organism is an individual organism. And that organism is also human 
So this organism, this living thing that's alive at the moment of conception is a human individual from that point of fertilization onwards. Before I keep going, let me take a brief aside and say that we've got more on this part as well on our website on a page that I've called When is a Person a Person? where we, we've written about sort of more of the details behind some of these points that I'm making. This is really meant to be more of an overview. But let me get back to it. There's, there's still more that I want to talk about here. Let me maybe take a step back and um, see what we've seen so far. And asking the question, is an embryo a baby or is an embryo a person? Let's start with the definition of person. A person is a human individual. Now, it's the process of fertilization where the embryo first becomes alive. And in looking at that living thing, at the moment of conception, it is a human organism, that it has fully human DNA. Furthermore, it is an individual human organism at the moment of conception. So in other words, what we can say is that uh, in the most objective sense of the terms, science definitively tells us that a human individual is alive at the moment of conception. So at the moment of conception, the embryo is a person. At the moment of conception, an embryo is a baby. So what does that leave us with then? Because, you know, there's still a lot of objection to that conclusion, but in the most objective sense of the terms in using only scientific observation, it seems pretty clear that there is a human individual, that there is a person at the moment of conception. But um, I think the most common objection is that there's something more to being a person than simply being a human individual. That there's something that's kind of hard to put into words and kind of hard to observe. Um, maybe we would call it the soul. That there's something missing in what I'm defining as a person. Um, the problem is that the soul really isn't a scientific concept. It's not one that we can really comment on. And part of the reason for that is that by definition, the soul is basically unobservable. So you can't use scientific observation to determine whether or not there's something that's observable, the unobservable soul. Um, now, the soul is really a religious concept, and the Bible does have an answer to this question, but I told you that I would save that for next time. Um, for now, I want to continue to try to look through the lens of science. But like I said, this isn't really a scientific concept. If anything, it's more of a social concept then. If, it's, if we're not allowed to use religion, then it's really more of a social concept. And so maybe then, if, if we can't use the natural sciences like biology, um, maybe we can use the social sciences like history to help to address this question of, is there a difference? Is, is a human individual always a person? So do we have any examples from history where human individuals were regarded as not having souls? Do we have any examples from history where there were human individuals who were considered not really persons, that there was some distinction between them? Now, the answer to these questions actually is yes, we do have examples. However, these examples are tragic. The first example I'll give is from the 15th to 19th century. The transatlantic slave trade was one where society justified the enslavement of African peoples on the grounds that somehow they were less than people, somehow they didn't have souls. But by every objective sense of the terms, they were human individuals, they were people. But somehow society justified it. And in fact, even the scientists of the day twisted those clear observations of science to still try to justify their enslavement. This makes my gut churn. I cannot believe, I have a hard time imagining how society let this happen. 
How did we let this happen? How did we get confused on this point? How did we justify the murder, the abuse, the enslavement, everything that we did on this fallacy that these human individuals were not people? It is hard to believe. And in 1933, there was another example, the Holocaust, where the Nazi regime basically justified the murder of millions of Jews, Russians, Slavics, and other peoples on the grounds that somehow they were less than people. Uh, again, by every scientific objective measure, these were human individuals. These were people. But somehow society and the Nazi philosophy didn't recognize their humanity, but instead viewed them as less than people. There's an author and historian uh, named David Smith who explained it this way. He said, the Nazis were explicit about the status of their victims. They were untermenschen, subhumans, and as such were excluded from the system of moral rights and obligation that bind humankind together. It's wrong to kill a person, but it's permissible to exterminate a rat. In his book that he called Less Than Human, Smith ties together and points out basically this thread throughout human history that, that ties together these atrocities that we look back on through the lens of history and wonder how in the world did we let that happen through this common justification of dehumanization. Taking someone who is by every objective sense a person, every objective sense a human individual, and then saying, no, they're not quite people dehumanizing them, taking away their humanity. Now, I said that I would be logical and dispassionate in this conversation. I'm sure that you can tell I've gotten a bit heated in talking about these examples. So let me maybe uh, do that as we apply these examples to our question here. Perhaps uh, you're familiar with George Santayana's quote. Uh, it's famous, famously paraphrased as, um, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat its mistakes. Um, and obviously these are examples of mistakes in our history. So what do we have to learn from them? What do they teach us? What they teach us is that there is no difference between the human individual and the person. That to be a human individual is to be a person. And that any time that we have fabricated a distinction between those two things, that history has only ever looked back on that with sorrow and regret. That we cannot take the objective truth that is verifiable that there is a human individual there and simply in our minds subjectively overrule it. That is the very definition of dehumanization. But I think the question is, is this all relevant here? Are these examples relevant? Are these lessons relevant to the embryo at conception? Now let's start with what we've seen here. What we've seen is that in every objective sense of the terms, the embryo is a human individual at conception. So we have that, we have that objective fact. But is dehumanization actually happening? Are they being dehumanized? In other words, are positions like being pro-choice at a certain level based on a philosophy that dehumanizes the embryo? Um, and you'll have to forgive me for how pointed this example is going to be, but in February of 2016, the National Abortion Rights Action League used their Twitter account to condemn what they called, and I'll quote it here, mm -hmm. the anti-choice tactic of humanizing fetuses. In other words, what they were saying is that whenever you humanize the fetus, you're being anti-choice. That whenever you humanize the embryo, you're being anti-choice. 
in, in the other way of saying that or the mirror image of saying that is that to be pro-choice at a certain level, you have to be willing to dehumanize the embryo. You have to be willing to dehumanize the fetus. And the problem with that is that, like I said, we have seen in every objective sense that the embryo is a human individual at the moment of conception. And so whenever we dehumanize what is objectively a human individual, eventually history will look back on those justifications, this, the justifications that our society has used and connect the dots to every other example of dehumanization throughout history. Now, I know that this has been heavy and maybe I've been a bit too pointed. I can only hope that somehow I haven't offended you. Um, and I realized, like I said from the beginning, that the nature of this conversation and the way that I approached it where I'm presenting information and trying to help you reach a conclusion about a question that a lot of us have has been more rational and has done a poor job of communicating my heart. And maybe because of that, this could come across as I'm condemning you or I'm condemning people or that I'm judging people. And I promise that is not my heart. That is not what I'm trying to do. Um, but like I said, I've got another video that maybe does a better job of communicating that. In our post for Mother's Day a while back, um, I shared a bit more about our heart and our story behind this and our heart that we don't want this to be a burden on anyone but instead we want it to set people free. Um, and I, I would hope that maybe you would consider watching that video um, so that you can see a little bit more of my heart on the issue and not just the rational discussion that we've had here. So like I said, this time we focused on this question through the lens of science and scientific information. And we tried to answer it from that perspective. And next time what I wanna do is I wanna approach the same question, but from a completely different vantage point. From the vantage point of the scripture from the vantage point of the Bible. What does the Bible have to say about whether or not an embryo is a baby? Does it support or contradict what we've seen here? Does the Bible even talk about conception? Does it talk about how life should be regarded at the moment of conception? Is that person a person at conception according to the Bible? Let's take a look through the verses together next time. Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell because you won't want to miss it. Um, thank you again for joining us.